Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and wherever you are, welcome back within Thin Lines. My name is Vince Castaneda, and to my left, I have Randall Ives on the other side of the world in Detroit. And in front of me, as we are invited here in a studio, once again, in a return with Vince over at Chicago's Bravest Stories. First off, sir, thank you for having us here again. It is a honor to be here and a delightful, it's always a surprise. You know, I think just watching your studio, looking here, your equipment, your environment, your bar. <laughs> I think that's the only reason that you agreed to come in here is because Whoa. of the whiskey bar. <laughs> and I'm cool I'm, with that. I'm cool I'm, with that, Vince. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. You know, whiskey uh, influences my uh, my appearance. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I think it's uh, you, you've definitely set the bar up for us to kind of have the aspiration of how to set up our studio and and just have our our location or whatever our goal is down the road, you know. So it's yeah, it's, it's my exciting. it's my pleasure, and I think has popular has podcasts have become uh, just recently. I think we're podcasters. You guys are podcasters. We should be helping each other, absolutely. And especially with you guys, we we kind of cross topic lines between our podcast and yours. So uh, it's important that that we help each other, and I think it just goes with you know who we are. Yep. That's the kind of definition of what we wanted to do as well. You know, regardless of what line of duty you, you work or what uniform you wear, you know, at some point everybody gets to get around the table and help each other out. So from within the same organizations or across the world. So, but uh, Randy, how's everything going over in Detroit for you? Everything in Detroit is well then. Thanks for asking. I heard you're, uh, you've been keeping busy. Uh, the summer wind, man. Oh, yeah. Keeps on blowing. Absolutely. And here in Chicago, we've had the uh, the Lollapalooza. Give me a little snippet here, Vince, about uh, how that handled. Well, um, as you know, because you came out for the mobile medical response team, which basically are paramedics on bicycles uh, who are fully equipped to mitigate any type of medical response. We, uh, we patrol the outside footprint and, you know, we help out inside as well, but our primary responsibility is the outside footprint of Lollapalooza, which is, I don't know, I'd roughly say, uh, uh, maybe five square miles of footprint for the bikes and the, uh, basically they're ATVs that are equipped like an ambulance. And uh, our job is just to patrol and respond to uh, medical runs and what have you. I mean, we respond to anything. That group of uh, members that come out and uh, comprise the uh, the bike team, they're a bunch of hard chargers. They're super motivated people, and it, it it's a good um, a good analogy would be like they're they're like the um, you know, the A team of, uh, our paramedics. Yeah. I mean, I just remember doing the tryout this year. <laughs> I broke a sweat. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's, it, you have to meet in my opinion, if you're going to be responding to medical runs on a bike, you have to have some level of fitness. Sure. Uh, we don't set the bar too high because there are great paramedics that might be on that line. And, you know, just on a regular day where they're out there patrolling downtown or the lakefront, they'll get there. Sure. They'll get there. So, but there has to be some standard set and we have to make sure that, uh, number one, you're fit and number two, you're safe. Absolutely. And you, you got both of those when you came to the training, cause one was the timed course and the other was the, um, basically an obstacle course where uh, you're riding slow and negotiating cones and it's, it's difficult, Sure. but with a little bit of help and a little bit of instruction, most people get through that. It's like you're kind of balancing your, um, endurance and also your capabilities, you know, it's kind of, yeah. And when you go to an event like taste of Chicago, um, riot fest, Lollapalooza, uh, all these other, uh, big events, Aaron water show, the marathon, you're riding a bike with, and don't forget, you have 50 pounds of gear in the back and you're negotiating through crowds. You're negotiating around little babies and you're also negotiating through uh, times bridges where it could be detrimental if, if you don't know how to, if you're not sure. technical sound on your riding. Yeah. And this team, that's your, that's your baby, right? It, it is. <laughs> it is my baby. I, I've uh, been one of the, uh, few guys who managed to stay on this team who haven't 
moved into a position with in the fire department where they just get promoted too high to be on the team or have moved into other positions on the fire department. Maybe they have dropped their medic or what have you, but I've been on the team for a while and it is something that I love. I'm super passionate about. It's one of my babies and it, you know, we, me and the other guys that we have down there as instructors, we, we take very seriously and we take the training seriously because it means something to us. Sure. It, it, it's really close to our heart. So, uh, that's something that, uh, you know, we, we want to hold people to a higher standard on that bike team. Kind of going off that, I know we're, we, we're going to discuss here shortly why or what inspired us to meet here today. But uh, before we get too far, tell me, I guess, when you think about the cultural diversity or, or organization on having a bike team, you know, like how, how is it that you came up and be like, hey, let's, let's kind of develop this a little further. Let's develop a team. Let's do tryouts every year. Have you ever had the backlash from other members or other maybe outside of organizations or... Uh, like what were the challenges? Definitely not from outside organizations because most outside organizations don't really have an idea of what our bike team is all about. Internally, though, you know as well as I do, we're our worst enemies. <laughs> we we eat our own a lot of times in the, the fire service um, and EMS especially. But it's a back the the biggest backlash I get is mostly from uh, people who may have failed out, who have quit on their own. And um, like the day that you guys were down there, uh, I don't need to teach, I don't need to instruct the people who are really sound on a bicycle. Uh, When my guys are down there and they get paid to be instructors, it's for the people who need help. And if that help takes a half hour, four hours, or the entire day, that's what these guys are signed up for. That's what I signed up for. We're, we're, we want to help those people who want to come out and want to help and want to ride and take care of people on bikes, but maybe they're just not as sound on the bike and they just need some help. That's what those guys are really getting that instructor pay for. Sure. So um, as far as diversity, um, I, I think when you came down, like – the bike team is as diverse as anything. That's Chicago. You know, it, <laughs> you get them all. Yeah. I mean, just just from our our group of instructors. You know, we have an Islander, we have African American, we have Irish. We I mean, we that's just the instructors. <laughs> you know, we have it, it was like a Benetton commercial in there. Sure. <laughs> right. yeah, there you go. I love it. That's brilliant. I mean, this is kind of just all foreshadowing to some of the subjects that we're going to be going over here shortly. But let's even talk about bullying. You know, like just developing or being the, the father of this organization for the uh, mobile response. Uh, how do you handle an internal bully? You know, well, you- we've, we've had, we've had an incident. I, I can't really go into it cause uh, sure. it, it became a, it became a, a big deal. And I found out about it from the news and it directly affected somebody who was coming in for the training that day. And the way that we decided to deal with that was just to flat out say at the beginning of the day, um, there, that is not going to be tolerated. We're, we decided that we're going to try to nip this in the butt before it even, you know, the option was ignore it, brush it on our thing, or address it when it happens, sure. if, if it happens, or just come out and try to stay ahead of it and put it out there. And we took that person aside, said, hey, this is what we're going to do. If anybody even looks at you funny, let us know. Because it's not tolerated. You right. know, that That's not the place. I don't think there ever is a place for it, but uh, definitely not there. Yeah. And we decided that uh, we were going to make a strong presence that it will be a zero-tolerance atmosphere in that environment. So... Um, you know, that's what we, we, we took about that. I am so um, against bullying to the point, and it, it's, it's not just for bullying, but um, my son's been taking jujitsu for, this is his third year of jujitsu, oh, wow. and he's 12 years old. Yeah. And he's gotten so good, like, I get worried now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's just such a sweet kid, and his birthday was yesterday, so happy birthday, Jax. Oh, yeah, happy birthday. And... Uh, just it it's not so when it comes to bullying 
12-year-old boy, as he gets older, he's going to experience some form of bullying. We all, we all will, and we all have. Sure. But the fact that he's so confident with his jujitsu and his striking, now when somebody bullies him, he doesn't have to engage that kid because he knows inside that this fight's over long before it ever started. And so he can walk away. He has the confidence to walk away. And I've already been informed by teachers that this has happened where somebody tried to bait him and bully him. And he walked away and I talked to him. I'm like, hey, you know, what happened over here? He goes, oh, yeah, this guy tried to, you know, he called me a name and he tried to, and he pushed me and I walked away. I'm like, well, why'd you walk away? He goes, well, because I would choke him out. Oh, man. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And if you take that simple mentality of time 11 year old. Yeah. Apply that to the rest of the world, man. Right. Equip them with the confidence, equip them with the the knowledge that they're they're better than that. They're stronger than that. Uh, the core of bullying is weakness. Sure. On the bully side. And for whatever reason that is. Apparently this kid was a lot bigger than my son, but my son he walked away not because he was afraid. He walked away because he knew he already saw the outcome of what was going to happen. Sure. And to me, that is amazing. And I encourage everybody who has young children to, you know, enroll in something like that. Yeah. And whatever it is, whether it's jujitsu or anything that gives them that confidence to be able to walk away in that situation. And it makes you wonder, you know, when you compare an 11 year old to a 40 year old, you know, in their behavior or reaction to bullying. Is it, the, you know, what, what do you think is the difference that really encourages them to have that, um, I guess, encouragement, you know, that, that hey, ability to stand up? Then thinking about it in here a second. Uh, your child has more self-control than I would have because I would have choked over them. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, there's a lesson to be learned from us because I would have been the same way. I, I believe I would have handled it. And I've been ju- doing jujitsu for a while, too. Sure. And I have to keep reminding myself to act like an 11 year old. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause yeah. that's, he did the right thing. He did what you should do in that situation. Would you say that maybe it's influence, you know, so you're still here to have that influence on him. I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. And you know, for anybody who's a father, if you don't think that your child's paying attention oh, to how you act and how you interact with people, you're 100% wrong. You are that carbon copy for that child. When I speak to an adult and I use yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, no, sir, my son does the same thing. And we're in a, a, a time in this world right now where my son uses please and thank you, which every child should be. But the fact that when he uses please and thank you, it's he has, whether it's our waitress at a restaurant or another parent, that it's so noticeable that they will come up to me and say, your son is so polite. Your son has great manners. And for me, I'm thinking all he did was use manners, but we're, we're, we're losing basic, um, mannerisms, um, in this world right now. And I can tell you where I believe is the disconnect. I believe that we're spending so much time on phones and tablets and stuff that we're losing the basic interaction skills with other people and especially the children who their only interaction is with people on the tablet or on the PlayStation right. or on the phone that they don't know how to be polite to in real person. Yep. Now you hit it right in the head. I mean, that's brilliant. It's today's age is electronics, you know, and then for me with my kid going through uh, e-learning last year because of COVID, that you know, certainly that was didn't scary. Help. Yeah, yeah that, that didn't help. <laughs> you know, but uh, granted, you know, just like you said, she's picking up on the things I do. I call everybody sir, ma'am, and if I'm comfortable with you, we have to start. I always call you boss. You know what I mean? And yeah. She asked me that the other day. He's like, "Why'd you call him boss?" I'm like, "It's a, it's, it's a respect thing." Right. You know. So now she's going around. She's talking, "Hey, boss. Hey, boss." I'm like, <laughs> so she's, I know she thinks you work for all these people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. In a way, I do. You know, yeah. it's just if you need something, I'll, I'll try to help you out. Um, that's my mentality behind it all. With that being said, as a person of rank, right, as a person in a position where you're in charge of subordinates, and I hate using the word subordinates, but that's the definition of it, right? Um, how do you inspire or influence that environment of bullying or non-bullying or comfort? 
No. Uh, I just for my personal uh, interaction with uh, you know what you call subordinates, like I'm uncomfortable with that as well because we're a team. We're we're on equal footing when it comes to the work we do, but because of my rank, I have certain responsibilities, and I think just letting you letting who you're working with, letting them know that they can bring a problem to you, and that you're open to that conversation, no matter what it is, good, bad, or indifferent, that there's an open line of communication there. And if you create that atmosphere that if somebody's having a problem, they can come to you, then I think you're doing okay. But I see it so many times where you may have somebody who has a ton of time on and they don't want to be bothered with nothing. And they put out that vibe and that's the last person you're going to talk to. Right. Uh, If you create that environment, you're never going to hear a problem. Right. And part of problem solving is knowing what the problem is and, uh, that that's kind of my view on that. Maybe sometimes admitting that you are the problem, not you specifically, yeah, but no, you know, yeah. just as in a position of leadership, yeah. you know, you gotta do a little bit of a self check. So, yeah, and that kind of encompasses where you know people were looking at our social media. We were um, enlightened to talk about the leadership in our series that we're getting ready to release here. But nonetheless, uh, before we digress, I know one of the things that a lot of people are wondering is like, hey, when are you gonna start pushing more episodes? It's been maybe two weeks, and uh, we're sitting on a series. Okay. You know, and it's uh, it's 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 about leadership. You gonna let us in on it? We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about tease? <laughs> just a little tease, you okay. know. And Randy could kind of pitch in as well. You know, we we had a great series, great session, uh, two really good guests to come in and had a couple cigars, and just went off, you know, from thirty minutes to almost three hours, you know. And it was just here Sounds we are. Like one of our it was, right? It was great, <laughs> you know. But Randy, I mean, if you if you were to pitch in as well, like, what, how did you feel about the other night? was not expecting uh, to have that good of in-depth conversation. The topics were outstanding. The leaders in that field were obvious. They, they knew what they were doing. They know what they're talking about. And what they brought to the table was, uh, uh, I was ecstatic. I'm still ecstatic about it. I can't wait to hear uh, once you get it edited. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think I'm just excited to hear it actually just progress and be released. But there is a reason why we are actually sitting on it. Yeah, we're going to plug that in before I lose Randy here. And the reason why we're kind of sitting on it is because we have a a plethora of news here within Thin Lines. Um, First off, let's touch base on some of the uh, success that we've had in the past two weeks. Uh, Randy, myself, and uh, Tyler Frank, and we had a a good brother that uh, came to help us, uh, Buccio, who was also on the job. Uh, we we got invited to uh, Lake County Responds for Veterans, and it was a golf outing um, over in Waukegan. Uh, we just went up there. We we put a booth over at Hole Three. We had our equipment. We had uh, cigars. We had swag. We had spirits. You know, it was one of those things that we just invited the the art of conversation, and that's what we stand behind here. And uh, great turnout. It was great weather. We had maybe a 30-second little rain here and there, but that's it. What was know? the name of the course that you guys ran? Remember? Ooh, Brook, Brook something. Was it nice? It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah it was brilliant. It, it had a clubhouse and all that, restaurant nice. grills, all that. It was it was great. <laughs> we Well, um, I can't even think about the number of people that showed up and, and did the course. How did you was, play? I didn't play. Oh, you did? <laughs> no, we okay. just sat a whole three. We sat there at the tent. Uh, just a little display, and then as people came around in their carts to, to go ahead and tee off at Hole 3, they'd stop by and get to hear our story. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, we raised money, and the whole benefit was to go back to local veterans. And uh, this organization, what they do is they, they raise money to rebuild homes, you know, rebuild um, ramps, or do whatever it is for the local veterans that are in need. Um, but we also find that a lot of veterans and first responders, as we all know, are very stubborn. <laughs> we don't like to ask for help. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that if if help doesn't if help would just sit in our laps, we still probably would just brush it off, you know, until we realize that it's a little too late. So we're trying to break that stigma uh, within our organization and kind of just um, promote ourselves to to be there. And I think one of the highlighting moments, even though it was the last five minutes as we were packed up and get ready to leave, we had a gentleman come up to us and he he just started bawling, 
And he just opened up. He said, you know what? You're the fact that you guys were there and willing to have a conversation about anything and everything um, just showed that he was welcome. What, and by uh, that, what do you, was he a veteran of? He, uh, ooh, that's a great question. I don't recall right off the bat. I know he was, uh, younger, I believe it was Air Force. Randy, what would you say? How old would you say that gentleman was? He was early 40s. Sure. Um, and he, he was, he was, I mean, he was definitely, um, he's definitely seen some stuff. Yeah. And he definitely, I hope he really hope that he reaches out to us because we could, uh, maybe set him in a good direction there. Absolutely. And I know that you gave him uh, a business card or for the organization that was also at the Naperville response. Yep. Uh, Blue Help. Uh, that was another event we went to. It was at a, uh, Kind of a festival in Naperville. What? Uh, I'm sorry, just to go back, just yeah. because I, I'm curious, and it, yeah. this is the stuff that interests me. What, what, what campaign was he in? I, I have to get off. So he, okay. we didn't we didn't get to hear too much about his story and what he okay. struggled with, um, because when I remember when he came to our spot, we, it was just more about talking about daily events, you know, okay. anything. Um, but once I knew he was a veteran, it was like, hey, let's take a little special time. And then he came back, and he just said, you know what? Just the fact that you guys were having the conversation or encouraged the conversation. He was admitting that he was struggling with some demons and he he was at a point where he needed help and didn't know how to proceed with it so we just we stood there with him we gave him the the, you know the resources we had at hand which was a individual over at bluehelp.org who was very helpful in in providing some of the uh, the mental health as well Um, but most importantly what we stand behind in our mission here within thin lines is just to to break that stigma that it's it's okay to be not okay you know, and it's okay to ask for help, but also we want to prevent individuals from even getting to the point where they're struggling. And how do we do that? We bit, you know, we kind of bite the nail on the head right then and there. Hey, this is an issue. Deal with it. You know, find a way to, to handle it. Um, build a hobby. Go try something new. Don't don't forget that you're human. You know, you can't just put a uniform twenty four seven. You got to take it off. You gotta you gotta enlight, you gotta have that balance of family and friends as well. Um, so just that encouraging, you know, atmosphere and environment, it's, it's, that's where we embrace the fact that he came back up and he said, we, I need help. We gave him our resources, our information. We're, you know, we're hoping to hear back from him shortly. Um, but that's our success story. You know, that five hours, six hours, we're at the golf course, that five minute conversation with him was the reason why we even are here. Yeah. That made the whole thing worth it, right? hundred percent. It's, it's, you got, you got the one guy that you needed to get to Yep. and that guy leads to a next guy. Yes. That guy leads to a next guy. Yes. But uh, it seems that we're we're fighting the same battle because if you listen to our podcast, we kind of do the same thing with the first responder to mental health. That's sure. been one of our big topics. I've used this analogy a million times on our podcast that if you broke your leg, I wouldn't have you walk it off. Right, we would take you to emergency room, then we would get you ortho, and then we would get you rehab. And being hurt mentally is the exact same thing, right? Yes. Just because we can't see a, a gross defigurement of a limb doesn't mean that the injury isn't as severe. We're kind of in the same trenches here of get, taking that stigma away that you're weak to ask for help, you're not going to be considered a man if you ask for help. But if you broke your leg right in front of me and I would be a shoulder, you'd have to lean on me because we'd have to get you out, right? Yes. It's the same thing. And that mentality has hurt so many people in the past that you were too weak to help or, you know, to ask for help or anything like that. Think about the, the, the countless people that were actually hurt by that mentality and now that we're doing, I think we're doing a much better job of being open to the fact that when you need help, that people are there for you now. Yes. And that's acceptable. Yes. You know? And it, it's it's certainly not a sign of weakness. And anytime somebody reaches out, we're more willing to be like, let's let's figure this out. Let's find a, a solution. If I don't know the answer, I'll get, I'll stay right here. I'll get you the answer. Yep. So, yeah, I think it, that's amazing that you guys um, were able to help somebody. And uh, one hole at a golf course, if that's where it started, <laughs> yeah, that, that's just, all you need. Just that couple-minute conversation yeah. with them, you know, that, that changes life. And I think you said it You said it perfectly, and that was brilliant. You know, the, the if you broke your leg, you wouldn't walk it off, you know. And that's, that's what we need to get 
at, you know, in the society, in this, in this workforce, you know, and to me, just, he even kind of argued it. He's like, oh, I don't want to be, cause I invite him. It's like, come on a show. We could have this conversation. You know, we could just relax. And he's like, ah, I don't know if people want to hear my story. And my counter to him was like, there's probably people out there who are going to hear your story and realize, wow, if he could talk about it, I could talk about it, yeah. you know, and well, he would talk, change. Yeah, well, when you talk to him, let him know that, uh, it's almost selfish for him to keep it to himself because he's not going to be able to help the next one person at a golf tournament, right? Yes. And he's reaching a wider audience. And if he can just help one person, wouldn't it be worth it to come onto your show? And plus the cathartic nature of talking on a podcast, we've had countless people who come on our podcast and just the fact that they're talking about it they get overcome with emotion i did it if you listen to a podcast that i did in la i went out to um uh, la and i was on a podcast called uh, best case worst case and it's a podcast uh made by uh former fbi uh agents and federal and state prosecutors and um they had me on a show and they had me talk about like one of my very first runs, which was a pediatric traumatic arrest. And something I had talked about forever, I, it's been 15 years now, and something that I, I've never batted an eye about it. And here I am in front of perfect strangers, and I, as I'm talking about, I'm not even realizing that I'm, I'm crying. Yeah, I didn't even know. I was like, I'm, I'm telling the story because he's he's asking me about it, and the the two hosts are asking me about it. And next thing I know, I'm like, why am I having a hard time talking? And why is, is my vision getting all blurry? I didn't even realize where this came from, and then it just happened like that. Nobody was more surprised about what happened than me because I wasn't um, expecting that, and I certainly um, didn't know that I had that emotion in me. And then. Uh, we took a break from there and I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah. So if that was just something that was, in, imagine what some of these veterans have like inside them that just talking, um, can do for them. It's incredible. Just having a conversation can do. Oh, you know? it, it's, it's outrageous. And for guys like you and me, who our our side hustle is having conversations. Right. Uh, it's amazing. Amazing. Uh, the things that you come across that you definitely don't expect. And that's what keeps making me look forward to that next podcast. It's almost like a drug. Like I, <laughs> yep. I need the next podcast. Yep. I need the next like cool story. It's, it's great. I love it. Yep. So when you reach out to me like, Hey, do you want to come out of the studio? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Hell yep. yeah. Hell that's yeah. my, uh, that's my drug too. I love it. Um, but no, that's, you know, that's a success for, for us as well. And I know that, uh, we also got reached out something that Randy and I have been, uh, a handful of times as well. It's over in Troy, Michigan called the, uh, the North American active assailant conference. And, uh, Randy, if you want to take a minute and kind of explain what that is. I uh, would be happy to, uh, it is a usually two or three day conference in Troy, Michigan, located about a half hour North of, uh, Detroit. Um, they bring in. Um, people from all over the world, and it's a for first responders uh, only. It's kind of a, not open to the public. They uh, discuss the events that have happened in the last few years that have been more or less declassified, uh, not being currently investigated. And it's a huge debrief, uh, post-incident action report, if whatever you want to call it. And they discuss um, the mass casualty incidents that have occurred. So a Sandy Hook um, is the incident. Uh, the school shootings, uh, the, the school shooting in um, Rhode Island uh, several years ago was brought up. And this is uh, the safest church you'll ever be in, uh, ever. There's, uh, I mean, they cap it out at like with 3,000 people. And usually there's, you, you have a hard time finding seats. Uh, and a lot of law enforcement is there. Um, they feed us. Uh, they have some vendor bro uh, booths. And um, they uh, have invited us this year to uh, set up a booth and uh, have some conversation with people there. So we're very, very excited for that. 
Yeah, the uh, the kind of coordinator, Jim Etson, he works for Farmington Hills in uh, the north side of Detroit. And uh, I kind of reached out to him because I was like, hey, you know what? You know, we talk about your your conference on our show before. I just I want to give you the opportunity to hear what we have to say. And he came back and he's like, well, how do you guys feel about having a booth at the entrance, you know, the conference? I'm like, well, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's kind of we would love to. And he's like, you know, to be honest, your mission is kind of what we are looking for, you know, and you have an opportunity to possibly reach thousands of these first responders, you know, SWAT, PD, fire, it's everybody. Um, even international agencies are coming out here and talking about their story. You know, we're even meeting some of the victims to hear their perspective. Um, and it's just, That's it's huge. It's mind blowing, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a two day, you know, thing. And just, just to be there, it's, it's exciting. Um, are you guys just going to be there like recording content and, and talking to people? So we're going to, obviously we're not going to record the, the actual conference because a lot of it is confidential right. still. Um, and that's the mentality we want to have is it, like Randy said, it's, you have to be in an agency to be there. It's not open to the public. Um, because a lot of stuff that you're going to hear and see there, it's just like, oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Um, but just to, to have the opportunity within breaks or at the end or beforehand, just give people the moment to kind of talk just like we are now. Um, maybe reach some individuals who are struggling too. Um, that's that's our mission, you know. And then on top of that, we we're going to be working with uh, Fire Department Coffee. <laughs> oh, are you really? Yeah, who's who's uh, also going to help us out to uh, pour some coffee to have the you know the, the conversation over you a couple. Guys of been talking to Jason Patton, or uh, uh, not Jason? The Patton. guy from uh, Rockford. No, right, right, okay. not that guy. The yeah. Fire Department Chronicles. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, this must be uh, within the agency or within the uh, the organization, but it's. You know, yeah, they're they're going to help us out. They kind of supply some of the coffee as well, and because again, for us, he's a for, veteran. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For for us, not, you not know, Jason, but the the other guy from uh, Rockford who uh, does yep. the fire department coffee. Yep. Um, it's just you'd be surprised how many people show up, you know, and then yeah. say, "Yeah, I'm a veteran too," and they have the history, and and I'll just sometimes sit down having a small conversation. For our show, we've always kind of enlightened, as long as we do it in a very healthy manner, because um, <laughs> that's important. Um, but it, we just enlightened the bottled spirit to help influence our art of conversation. So with this, what I have here, um, that's mine to hand over to you. Oh, get out uh, of here, really? From us within the uh, Within Thin Lines. It's a disbelief, a bottle disbelief um, tequila. And it's a organization to kind of help do a little bit of collaboration for the episodes that we are releasing here shortly. What's, uh, what's the significance with the baseball? Ooh, okay. I love to hear it. Uh, or I love to explain it. So their parent company is a t-shirt company. And they used a baseball logo. So they're like, hey, let's just make a bottle out of baseball. And the reason why they've influenced or stuck with the baseball theme is because in baseball, their um, players have no cap of salary. So their mentation is like, live life like you don't have a cap, you know? And then the name disbelief is because once you taste it, you're going to be left in disbelief. Well, let's, uh, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, crack it open. I'll get you a glass. As you go at it, I'll keep talking about some of the things that we've got going on too. Um, Randy and I had had a couple steps as well too because we were handing this out for the uh, for the events we're at, just to have the conversations. And Randy, what'd you think about that uh, tequila? Um, first of all, these people were taking advantage of me. <laughs> I, uh, they'd be like, "Well, we'll take a shot if you take a shot with us." And I, you know, I didn't want to be rude, <laughs> so I made sure that uh, you know there was no you know, no leftovers. Oh yeah. No, it's it's we had a great out, you know, out or um, what do you would say review from from people out there. Um, like I said, we're we're kind of aiming for those small organizations that are growing just like ourselves, you know, and that we we look for people who I was going to see if I had my pocket knife, but I don't. Um, we look for people who are who are just growing and wanted to uh, develop. And this was a company out of Memphis who uh, who made a or who was getting a tequila from Jalisco, Mexico, um, which of course is the the nation of tequila. Well, they put these uh, this plastic on the top to keep them. I mean, you're going to need a, a bulldozer to get this. Oh, well, it's vents proof. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just me. Or... <laughs> just, I wish, I wish we could show this. You're struggling with. <laughs> I am. I am. There we go. There you go. You got to earn it. Oh my God, I'm sweating <laughs> trying to open a bottle to get. Yep. You know, my dad always said before he left this earth, you got to be smarter than the than the bottle. Oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> And that, I use the bottle in this instance, but that phrase was used <laughs> in reference to anything in my sure. entire life. But the little sound of the pop of a brand let's, new let's bottle. See. There we go. Ooh, there it goes. 
Tito's. That smells good. Oh, yeah. It's great. You know, like I said, I've seen when I've been here before, you've got a, a plethora of little spirits in your bar here. So I was like, you know what? We, you know, if anybody deserves a bottle to help kind of get where we are now, it's it's uh, your organization. So this is our tribute to you and uh, Chicago's Bravest Stories as well. So thank you so much. This absolutely. Is awesome. Yeah. Anybody who brings liquor into this studio is welcome anytime. We will come back for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Here's yeah, to you guys. Cheers. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Here. Cheers. That is really smooth. That's some smooth tequila. That's tequila. Wow. <laughs> that is tequila. Well done. Yeah, right? And then on that, so kind of going back to why we've had a delay, right, or a pause in our publishment of our episodes and leadership. So we're sitting on it, and the reason behind it is that without saying too much of a reveal, uh, we are in process as a podcast organization who a we've we've been driven to deliver a safe space for our members to share their stories right to learn from each other to grow from each other um and then also have a spot to learn something so education training uh to try something new so what better than to be accredited to where if you listen to our educational episode you could earn con ed hours so we're in the process of being accredited through an organization to deliver those content hours. And that is, to me, that is a huge aspiration that we've knocked out on the books. Um, so we're going to be affiliated. Again, without saying too many names or too many uh, too much information. You guys are getting way too legit. Um, we might have to kick you out. <laughs> right. We didn't no. know this was going to be such a high-class organization. You we, guys are about <laughs> We didn't even know. I mean, Randy and I, like, we sat at, in my backyard in Michigan four years ago. Recording for eight hours, we're like, we don't know where this is going to go, you know, and but let's just try it. You know, even yeah. back in January when we finally launched this thing, we're like, this may not kick off. You know, this may just be us listening to it. Yeah. Well, and here we are. Well, congrats, man. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, coming in and sharing that because uh, there's a lot of people who maybe have some great content who have a great idea that they want to do as well. Yeah. And our idea started on a, a bar napkin. And, you know, two years into it, we've had a ton of amazing guests and it's just been a great ride. I, I encourage everybody. And it does seem like everybody has a podcast now, but they should. Right. It's it's such a great platform. It is. You know, um, I'm just glad that podcast is around because you do have the freedom to say what you want. Uh oh, oh, Randy's trying to video time me. Oh, boy. Denied. <laughs> well, that's but, exciting. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to watch this bottle or drink this bottle of tequila. I think he's getting jealous. He yeah. is getting jealous. Um, no, I've yeah. got my own. I've got my own looking at it. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, congratulations. That that's huge to be able to um, get some con ed for listening. I think that's amazing because you're also encouraging more people to listen. Yep. And people are going to get something out of it. Absolutely, you get an hour for a show for just for listening. You know and. So what else we got going on then? What uh, what are we now? Got us into as a as a business. Oh, that's right, that's right. We are also now officially on the books as a not-for-profit organization. Oh, that's a huge yeah, right? thing too. Yeah, I forgot. Thank you for bringing that up, Randy. Now I'm um, definitely <laughs> kicking you out. Yeah, you guys are you well know, too organized to be no, in this studio. I don't know, man. This is all kind of hit randomly in the past month alone you know it just kind of exploded. Did you guys you know? do that on your own, or did you guys get a lawyer? No, we did this on our own. Um, so my wife is kind of good with that atmosphere. Yeah. So I kind of just say, hey, what would you say? How would you handle this? So now she's appointed yeah. <laughs> the, the uh, liaison for all that. But I, uh, I know that what a task that is. We had um, Project Fire Buddies. You yeah. familiar with yeah, those yeah. guys? Yeah. We had uh, Kurt the Groot who founded it. And they were trying to get that classification of nonprofit. And it was they had to jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah. To do it and uh it's so a process it's, it's not a e simple thing to do so congrats on yeah that. thank you and that was kind of our aspirations ever since we kind of kicked off is that yeah we would love to see ourselves growing and uh being able to afford the space afford the equipment afford the travel even the events you know but we don't want to see us in an organization where we're pocketing or making profit 
you know, if we if we get any kind of monetary support, whether it's through sponsorships, which we have finally, thank you for Radon Express being our first sponsor on this series as well that we're launching. What is um, it? what is the name? Radon Express. What is that? So you know the home radon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's it's a veteran owned. Um, he's actually one of my pilots, yeah. <laughs> right, over at the army, and uh, he he reached out and listened to our show, and he's like, hey, I want to help you guys out. Um, and that's our aspiration is to be able to say, yeah, we obviously we need funding to help support us to get to events, to get the equipment, um, to get T-shirts, to get swag. But everything else is like to, if we could if we could save the monetary build in order to give back to our veterans and our first responders, like our aspiration, maybe in our five year goal is to be able to say, hey, we're going to have a fishing charter. When's the last time you've been fishing? Oh, it's been a while. Come over. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go fishing. You know that's why we're sticking to that not for profit, um, because for us, our success and our reward is moments where individuals are coming back and saying, "You've you've changed my life." You know what? I saw that I, I got sucked into this, and it was so cool. The Black Rifle Coffee guys—they mm-hmm. took veterans hunting, and it was so cool. That was yep. so. I I think you guys go down that line. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we actually got another event coming here possibly in September. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's a uh, uh, foul kind Will of shooting. Thank to uh, Radon Express. Yeah, Radon, Radon Express. Express. <laughs> Radon Express. Thank you for for kind of kicking that off. And uh, Rebecca, who's uh, the wife, who's who's in charge of the behind the scenes stuff for that. Um, for Radon Express, she's the one that was like, you know what, I'm going to help you out with the sponsorships and the menus. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. You know, I don't know what this any of that entails. She's like, don't worry about it. You know, she kind of developed this whole you know pamphlet of information, and she's hooking us up with other sponsors. Um, we got a chance to sit down with Alan Lynch, who is a, um, a Medal of that? Honor. Oh. He's a Medal of Honor recipient um, from Vietnam, and he was actually at the golf course, and we sat down with him, had a little skit with him. I was like, why do I know that name? I like read all those. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. just to have him on our show is it's it's been brilliant. Um, to me, I'm just I'm flabbergasted. I'm I'm my jaws on the table kind of thing. Like I I don't even know how we've even succeeded to where we're so at. So you're you're stressing out that you guys hadn't been on for two weeks and you got all this. Accomplished. <laughs> right. You know, get yep. out of my studio. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that kind of explains you know with the the leadership and it it's it was such a great podcast session. And there's so much knowledge in our episodes. We're sitting on it because we want to finish the finalization to be accredited. So that'll be our first series where people could actually listen to it, learn something about leadership from two very intellectual individuals about the subject, and then gain their content hours for the year. You know, and then something you know that our the CEO from the organization we're partnering with, um, what he stated is that we he wants us to be in charge of the operations of the content. And the reason behind is because he's noticed that we're having the conversations that a nobody likes to have, and that's because either out of fear, it's either because out of you know nobody knows how to lead it, nobody knows how to control it. But it's that conversation, or it's these conversations people need to have, you know. So mental health, you know, physical health, you know, and then toxicity about the leadership, things that seem seem to be. Um, diverted away from because again you don't want to cause the stress and whatnot but yeah. it's not going to be if you don't address it it's not going to be repaired well here here's a question for you i'm gonna i'm gonna turn the microphone around on you. you 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 asked me a bunch of questions about leadership for my position what do you think is the best way to handle bad leadership let's say you're you're a subordinate you have a terrible leader how do you want to how would you go about handling that because that's an issue mm-hmm. right you mm-hmm. may it, it, ems side you're one and one, so you got a bad you got a, a a bad leader. You're in trouble. Sure. You got maybe you go beyond him, go around him, go to the, your chief. You're if you're on an engine or a truck, you got four other guys with you. You're you may not have that confidence to go into a fire. You may not have a the confidence to go make a roof with this guy, or if he tells you to do something, you know he's a bad leader. I may have second thoughts about doing what he's telling me to do. So what, what do you, how do you feel about bad leadership? There's great leaders. And I think those are the guys we should learn from, but I think that also we can learn just as much from bad leadership. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you're asking that because it's making me think. So the first thing that comes to mind is I'm a little storytelling here, right? That's what um, we're doing. That's what we're yeah. doing. So before I came to Chicago, I used to work for Traverse city in Michigan, uh, their fire department up there. And their actual interview process, you know, you do the physical agility, 
um, which I was able to pass. And I, I, went, I went through the next phase, which was the interview. And then uh, when I sat for the interview, one of the questions, how it was handled is I was at one side of the table and they had five members of their department on the other side. HR right behind me, obviously, but she wasn't asking questions. So I'm facing the chief. I'm facing uh, two officers and then two firefighters, uh, non-ranked firefighters. And one of the questions they asked me um, was kind of a scenario base. And they said, okay, here's your scenario. You are under a officer, right? And he, from the start of you joining the department, he kind of just gives you this bad attitude, right? That he's better than you. Um, he's not really portrayed as the best leader, but he's holding the rank. Um, he gives you a hard time every shift. He treats you like you're kind of just a subordinate, you know? Um, and it's besides all the typical candidate thing. It's, it's more than that. So you're at a fire, um, and you notice that he's kicking down a door. He wants you to go interior with him. Um, but you're having the gut feeling of like, hey, this structure is not safe. Um, you try telling him that it's not safe, that you should probably withhold from entering the house. But he keeps kicking him down and keeps saying, hey, you're not a real firefighter if you don't fight real fire, stuff like that. So how do you address it? And I kind of explained, I was like, well, I wouldn't trash him. I wouldn't yell at him in front of everybody else, but I would just share my thoughts and say, sir, respectfully, this is what I see. This is what I'm noticing. Um, this Did is they want you to, to answer that as you're at the fire or is this when you come back? Because at, at the, the fire. fire is a whole different. It's a whole different thing yeah. at the fire. So I would say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Um, but if he goes in, I'm, I'm sticking with him. And then, they're, you know, after every question they asked me, somebody else on the table would kind of counter my answer. So another, I think the uh, captain was like, all right, here's the situation. He calls you vulgar names. You're, oh, you're just a scare or whatever. Um, you're not a real firefighter. I'm going to go fight this fire myself. And he keeps kicking down the door and you notice that the structure's falling apart, you know, and the whole backdraft or whatever it is. Um, how do you handle it? And I was like, well, I would just, I'd stick with him. And the reason behind that is respect. Whether I like it or not, whether I like the fact that he bashes me every shift or he treats me disrespectfully as a subordinate, um, he at some point was allotted and, and given that rank, right? Um, that's an appointed position in my mind. So at some point he earned it. Maybe he's not a great leader now. You know, it doesn't always work like that, but there's, there's always going to be a need for respect. If his years of service before mine gave him some knowledge about this structure and this fire that I don't see yet because I've only been on the job so That's long. That's what goes through my head when you, you, you pose that situation is he may be a terrible leader, but he may be an awesome fireman. Exactly. Exactly. If, especially if he's a ranking officer, probably not his first fire. And he may have the knowledge that you don't have about. You may see something that you're sure this is no good. And yeah. he's seen it a million times being like, no, we're good. Yeah. So you're putting your knowledge, with his, which is zero, against <laughs> his knowledge, which is probably a lot. Right. Right. Which could go both ways. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But, but I think that's what they're addressing. It was like, all right, well, you know, at this point, you know this is going to fail. You know that you, you're possibly going to die. That's a situation. That's a scenario. I'm like, okay. They asked me, what would you do? And I was like, I'd go in. And my counter to that was the whole philosophy in the fire service is two in, two out. Yeah. You know, if, if it was an officer, if it was another firefighter, if it was Randy, if it was you, if you had some just bum rushed the door and ran in, I'm going to be right, your, right on your ass and be like, hey, I'm helping you out, like whatever it is. Um, because I'm not going to be the guy that sits there and then do anything about it, yeah. you know. So, and if this guy does go down in that fire because he made a wrong decision, and you're outside, mm. I don't know which is harder to live with. Exactly, exactly. So I don't know. That's just my response. Well, th don't forget that you know those questions. There's not supposed to be a right answer. No, it's just what you would do. Yes. Uh, I had a similar question when I went to paramedic school, and it was. Uh, same same board, nurses, doctor, ranking, uh, fire department members, and uh, it was, you're on a way to a, a, a shortness of breath run, something simple, and on the way there, you, you get flagged down by a group of people, and you have two people shot. What do you, what do, you do there? So I kind of put it on, like, dispatch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, uh, but I was, uh, I was trying to frame it in a way where I would take the people who were shot and work that and, and triage that. 
and not go to the shortness of breath. Sure. So, but ultimately, um, by the letter of the law, I believe to this day that uh, we have a duty to act for the first run, right? And we have to respond to that run unless we can get somebody replaced for that. I don't have a duty to act immediately for the shooting victims. So if I pass them up and go to my run, I think I'm still good, but I would still get on the radio and, and call that in. But to stop, I think then you get breach of duty to act and negligence, right? Sure. I think I think that's the right answer. Yeah, no, that's, so, that's a good answer. Uh, yeah, Just that, blame it on dispatch. That, that, <laughs> that, and that's kind of what I did. And I made it through paramedic school. So. There you go. You're here now. You're here now. Here. And the second, the second thing they asked me, because uh, I was bartending at the time, and they said, you're, uh, oh, man, what was it? Uh, do you use Southern Comfort to make an old-fashioned? And I was like, yeah, I guess. I was hmm. like, yeah. I, I worked at a bar. We didn't make stuff like that. And he's like, wrong. Southern Comfort is too sweet. Oh, okay. It would be, it'd be undrinkable. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to go to paramedic school because of this. <laughs> because of this. Well, here's my counter to that, though. I'll make a old-fashioned with Southern Comfort if the person buying it wants it that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not about how you want it how you yeah. want it to be. You know, it's about who's drinking it. Yeah. As a bartender, who I've also bartended <laughs> in Traverse City on the side job, is that like if you people want it. You guys sell more old-fashions in Traverse City. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. That was my drink. Yeah. You know, But if people want it a certain way, I may say, hey, can I give you just my advice? And maybe this <laughs> bottle might be a little better. But you can um, see his point that that would be way sweet. Uh, Southern Comfort one. Oh. That would be... Customers are never wrong, though. They are never wrong. (laughs) No, that's great. So long story short, I think to answer your question about the the bad leader, um, respect. I just feed him respect over and over and over again. Regardless, because it's not about me, it's not about him, it's it's about the job. Respect for the job, respect for the organization, respect for the the department, respect for the city. I mean, we've heard all the stories about uh, bad officers getting run out of the out of certain houses sure it happens um but in that regard i don't think we're solving the problem we're just passing the buck right yes it, is there a solution to that problem like that they can be handled on the subordinate level in our department mm. apartment especially the department that we were for that guy's gonna he's just gonna get passed on maybe he's gonna go to a slower company uh, where he's not as dangerous or whatever but I don't think we do a very good job of solving that problem. No. And by the time these guys get to that that rank and they they have a lot of time on, they have they they're they know a lot of people. It's very hard to move that. You know, to to move that needle with that person is very difficult. And well, I will say a uh, quick uh, brief thing while it's not to interrupt you. Uh, I worked for an organization that had a very very toxic. Uh, supervisor and nobody liked working with this guy. Absolutely nobody liked it. He was um, racist, sexist, um, just uh, a, a, a pig of a human being. And even though like, he was very, very close friends with the chief of this department, he actually had he had enough people, enough paperwork, enough issues, enough incidences that he had no choice but to um, get rid of this person in this organization. And uh, we never thought it we'd see the day because they were, they're, they're still best friends outside of, outside of work. Uh, but he, he had to, he had to fire his best friend. And, uh, you know, it's, it's possible, uh, but it's just, you don't hear about it. Uh, you don't hear about it all the time. So, but you know, anything is possible, right? Yeah. I, I think uh, what has to be done is you have to know what the rules of the game are. And then document and do your due diligence with this person. Because ultimately, at that point, it's a cover-your-own-ass situation. If something happens, you don't want this coming back on you. But if if you can pass the buck in the way that you're, you're, you're bringing a problem to light. And don't forget, like, you don't want to be the guy who started to create this issue with a guy who's have who has a lot of time on the job that's a tough thing especially if you're a new guy you got a you got a toxic leader and now you want to bring it to the attention and this guy's 
been to more fires than you're ever going to go to in your life, and it's your word against his, that's a tough position to put you in. You know, it makes me think about the in the military structure of things. You know, you have your your officers, your commissioned, and then you have your non-commissioned officers, your NCOs. Um, regardless, and I'm not speaking out of experience now because my my commanding is is phenomenal. You know, my structure that I'm at in my unit is it's it's great. Um, but I know stories, and I've I've seen the stories where their commanding structure is not operational and it's toxic. But then having those NCOs underneath the officers who kind of self-lead or kind of do the behind the scenes leadership for everybody else you know those are the ones it's like the barn bosses here in the job those are the ones who got to put the politics aside and yeah. be like those what are do you need? those are our ncos yeah exactly service. yeah that's how it should be what if it was a house if it was a toxic leader what if it was a firehouse full of barn barn bosses you know, and then just the same mentality. Obviously, someone's got to be in charge, but the same mentality of like politics aside, differences aside, pick up a broom, pick up a mop, do the dishes, right? Let's get the job done. Let's take care of each other. Let's take care of the job. What do we truly hear about? It's for the city and for the people, yeah. you know, and that's just ultimate mission. We got a lot of people who in any organization, they forget the, the real reason why they're there. Well, there's a, I read a saying the other day about, if you want to look for a good shift to go to, find a crew that has been together for a long time. There's a reason that crew's been together for a mm-hmm. long time, right? Yep. You want to be with those guys. You want to do what those guys do. There's a reason. It's because they had good leadership and they had good subordinates. They were a good unit. And we had a, a guest on here the other day who had 30-some years on the, the fire department, and he kind of reiterated that, that, Back in the day, crew stayed together. They did not move. Their, their transfer order may have been a handful of guys back in the day. Not like today. That, when you see that transfer order, how many pages is it now? Yeah. Right? Yep. It's, it's, it's pages. Wild. It's pages. Yeah. But back, it, and I use the term old, back in the day, the old school fire department that, that we work for now, nobody changed its shift. You, you didn't want to. As long as you had a good leader, if people were constantly rotating out of that shift from that house, who, who do you think the problem was? Yeah. So it's different times, different times we have now. It is. It is different times. And I think that's brilliant, you know, but just we have to learn how to handle it. And that kind of embraces our next conversation here for our series that's going to be released, I promise, really soon <laughs> on leadership, you know, and just kind of hear such firsthand. A, such a tease. <laughs> such a tease. Um, but great aspirations, and we have great goals. And, and we, we've, I don't know, to me, I'm, again, I'm flabbergasted. Um, I'm honored, you know, for having individuals like yourself and organizations like your, your Chicago's Bravest, um, just for welcoming us as an organization, just even acknowledging us. You know, and, and, and just to see where we're going to go with that. We're going to stay humble. We're going to stay reminded of who got us here. Um, so to everybody out there, thank you for, for being support, for being assistance, and uh, just joining us for the conversation. Um, to, to me, it's, it's an honor. It's a privilege. I would love to see us collaborating more, you know, especially Absolutely, when we... Absolutely, for sure. Like I said, uh, we're fighting the same battle here. Yeah. So uh, allies are a good thing. Allies are a phenomenal. Yeah. Allies is what keeps us together nowadays. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think that's where we're going to be at. And you guys are always welcome here. Vince. Yes, yes sir. Vince. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, my Vince, can you are uh, new Vince? Uh, can you give yourself a plug on who your show is and what you are and everything else like that? Because I have never even heard of you before. So. Okay. Uh, our podcast that we run out of this studio is called Chicago's Bravest Stories, and we have, you know, it's not just Chicago guys, but we, we do have a, a, a good group of Chicago guys that we've had on the show uh, in the past. But we'll bring a guy on who's maybe had a storied career or uh, an actual event that they've had. We've had a, a guy who, um, one of, actually, our very first guest was a guy named Jeff Rich, and uh, he was a Truck 29 guy, and at a fire, he fell out the window. And what was amazing was that he was so articulate and such a good storyteller. When you listen to the podcast, you feel like you're going up these stairs with him. You feel like you've run into the same obstruction that he had. And you feel like you can really visualize 
him going up this uh, the stairs during this fire and then ultimately falling out this window. We've had uh, guests like Kevin Casey, who was, if you've seen the movie Backdraft, he was Nightingale from Backdraft. And my iconic memory of him in that movie is him wearing the gold gym t-shirt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to be on that department, you know? Yeah. And when he came into the studio and talked, I wish that I could have recorded and shared with the rest of the world the stories that he told when we turned the microphones off, but that you, you can't, yeah. <laughs> you, right. you can't, but those stories were just as amazing as what he, the stories that he told uh, on the microphone. There's something to be said about having a drink and just bullshitting because what we created here, we wanted to duplicate sitting at the kitchen table, maybe at the firehouse and shooting the shit with guys at the firehouse. And we, we wanted it to feel like that. And this, this environment that we have in the studio, hopefully we, we're coming close to bringing that environment out. And we, we have, we, you know, we try to bring awareness for certain things, anything that we can do to help our members, or help any of our first responders help we've had uh did you listen to the brian wasnicki yes. episode yes that's a veteran story yep. with a little bit of first responder yeah you know and that's an amazing story we've had so many of these emotional roller coaster stories that you know like i alluded to before i can't wait for the next one so chicago's bravest stories is our podcast available anywhere itunes spotify wherever you listen to podcasts if uh, the fire service or first responders or anything like that interests you, you're going to get something out of it. Sure. So, yeah. That's and tell us. me about your other one with the uh, fire and iron media. Uh, we have, um, we have other podcasts. Uh, fire and iron media is the, the host company for all our other podcasts, but uh, you were just on with Severin. That's uh, department three C. He does, uh, you know, he records out of here too. We have uh, a, a podcast called The Popo Report. It's a Chicago police officer and like a world famous private investigator. Those guys, those guys, just basically talk about daily events and uh, all kinds of. It, they're just insane. Some of the stuff they talk about is crazy, and it, it's super entertaining. You know, we do do a, a, a whole host of other things here, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, we can do more with you guys and. Yeah. Uh, raise more awareness so here's my challenge for you then done. right consider it done <laughs> all right done just sign here <laughs> <laughs> um so when we were helping out with lake county responds right they they do more than just lake county naperville um there's a couple other counties they handled but generally they're out of lake county and what they do is they raise finances to go out and support these veterans who are in need so rebuilding their their houses rebuilding things they they require for stable living um, so my pushback to them was like, tell us where you need us. How can we help as an organization? And the owner was just pretty much, or the CEO was like, you know what? All hands on deck. You guys have time? Come out and help us, you know, put up a, a, a new construction. So my challenge for you is as we go out there to be determined on a date, we would love and be honored to have a partnership with you to come out and get our hands dirty. Done. All right. Sounds done. good. Yeah, so, it's, 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 it's done. Perfect. I will. I'll let them know. So, from everybody over at Lake County Respond, you consider us here within Thin Lines and Chicago's Bravest Stories at your service, and we would love to, to be of service to those veterans in, in need. So, well, thank you all. I, I, I'm again. I'm honored. I'm humbled to be here. We are honored and humbled to be here uh, with Randy as well. I know Tyler Frankie's getting ready to go to basic training here shortly, so join the new army as well. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He enlisted. Oh my god. Yeah, he's leaving on his birthday in September. <laughs> Is he going to Fort Campbell? Uh, he is going to Fort Chill. Okay. <laughs> Fort Chill. Um, Fort Sill or whatever, but we call it Fort Chill. He's going to go relax. He's going to have his phone on him. Right. There's no shark He's going to get anymore. massages and stuff. He is. Though, right? He's yeah. going to have his own dorm, yeah. right? Yeah. TV time, everything, video yeah. games. Yeah. Army's not the same anymore. <laughs> but at least it's not the Air Force. No, no kidding. We love the Air Force. Um, 
Yeah, no, like I said, we got big aspirations, so we'll definitely let them know that we will be of assistance, and uh, I guess that'll be our ultimate collaboration. Yeah, consider it done. Perfect. Consider and if done. there's We're anything we could be of service to you as in Chicago's bravest, you let us know as hey, well. just keep bringing whiskey over here. Bring I would do that. And tequila. This tequila, <laughs> this tequila was actually really good. It is really good. Give I'm really guys, impressed. Give these guys another plug because... Uh, that's not going to last long here. It's not. It's not. So <laughs> I will definitely. He, they, they've been phenomenal with us. They sent us bottles. We, I don't know, Randy, how many bottles do you think we went through over at the golf course? Um, I personally poured about two. So Yeah, he personally poured two bottles. So. <laughs> right. People loved it. You know, even Alan Lynch, he came back and we, I think we how gave cool him a bottle. How cool was that guy? You know, is he, he as was, badass as he, he was. He is a badass. Yeah, he is an absolute badass. He, he's he's just that gentleman that you wouldn't know. Right. You know what I mean? Most of these guys that I read about, and because uh, that stuff is, re- I love reading that, about that stuff. And uh, you would never, you saw this guy on the street, you'd never know that this right. guy was a Medal of Honor recipient. Yep. Just all humble as be, you yeah. know. And he was just, he invited us to uh, an event as well. We're trying to see if we could be there. Um, but if there's anything that you want to partake in that too, we would love to have you there. Oh, you know, man. so yeah, that would be cool as hell. That's that is our collaboration. But yeah, so the uh, Disbelief Tequila, um, they're out of Memphis. It's a Jalisco, Mexico uh, tequila, you know, and it's it's great. The bottle is the size, or it's it's the design of a baseball. Uh, Disbelief spelled D-I-S-B-E-L-I-E-F, um, and tequila, and it's just I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's 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 smooth. If if you're not even into tequila. This tastes more like a whiskey than tequila. That's what people have said. Yeah. You know, when they sam- they said they sampled it, and they're like, yeah, it goes down like a whiskey. Yeah. It is surprising. Definitely. So they figured out, and they're opening up a shop in uh, Chicago. They're going to have their own little distiller. Oh, yeah, their own tasting room and all that. So. Great. Another another, whiskey, <laughs> another alcohol for me to drink. Absolutely. I don't nope. know if that's a good thing. That is a great thing. Yeah. You got to get a new table for all your whiskeys here, though. Yeah, we are. We, we're maxed out. Sure. Or we'll just have to start drinking. I don't know. I don't know. I Either just say way. just get another table. We'll, we'll bring more. <laughs> with that Sounds being said, though, for everybody out there, thank you for staying tuned and uh, just be patient with us and our series coming out. Um, and thank you to Vince over at uh, Chicago's Bravest for having us here and uh, doing an ultimate collaboration. Yeah, definitely my pleasure. Thank you guys for coming in. Sounds great. And we'll catch you soon. Randy, have a good night. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> <laughs>